You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are here in South Wales. There is so much to do in South Wales. We have actually several episodes to talk about South Wales, but this one in particular is to talk about all the activities, places that you might want to go, and a little bit of an overview of South Wales. We also did an episode, kind of a Wales 101, to give you general information about visiting here. We also did an interview about the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff. And we did an episode about Dylan Thomas and his 100th birthday celebration coming up. You can find more information about each of those shows at our website, TravelBrigade.com. But today we're going to focus on some really great activities that you can do here in South Wales. And actually, just sort of an overview so people understand, of course, our Wales 101, we talked about the Welsh language. We talked about food and accommodation. Here, we're going to be talking about different cities and activities. So coming up next, we're going to do a little bit of our hot topics, and then we're going to go into our interviews. We've got some great interviews for today. We have a general interview to kind of give you a synopsis of what South Wales is. We're going to talk to someone particularly about Cardiff. We're going to talk about some outdoor and recreation that you can do here in Wales, as well as you have some family history and you want to trace those Welsh roots. We're going to talk about that as well. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. What's hot? What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel. Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin. We are here in South Wales having such an amazing time. It's really sad to think that we're going to be leaving here soon. We want to share everything that we did here in South Wales with you before we go. But before we do that, we first need to do hot topics in travel. And I just want to say breaking up is hard to do. Are you breaking up with me? No, but if I did, I would schedule a trip afterwards. Apparently that's what a lot of British people like to do. I was looking at something in the Daily Mail This is based on a poll of people in the UK done by sunshine.co.uk. They asked people what percentage of them had gone on a trip within three months of breaking up with somebody. Oh, really? Okay. So I I was thinking that you were thinking or you were trying to say, excuse me, that people book trips to break up with people. And I was kind of like, well, that's really weird because maybe it's just the cheap part of me that'd be like, I'm not spending money on somebody who who I don't want to be with. (laughs) Now, apparently 20% of people in the survey said they have scheduled a vacation or a trip within three months of breaking up with somebody to kind of just get over it. What you're trying to say is people are scheduling a trip after a breakup to sort of mend their broken hearts. Yes. Oh, see, I'm thinking totally opposite, that you break people are breaking up because they want a vacation, which is actually a telltale sign <laughs> whether or not you can make it in a relationship with somebody is whether you can vacation with them. One of the ways they're mending their broken hearts is looking for somebody else on the new trip, <laughs> looking for a new love on the trip. 25% of people who booked these trips said one of their big considerations was, can I maybe meet somebody on this trip? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Isn't that a song? <laughs> Well, you might find it on a trip. There you go. In your booking destinations, where can I hang out with single chicks? You know, like there you go. Well, that's really interesting. Hopefully we will not be having any breakup trips for us. We're going to just proceed with pretending that everything is just fine. (laughs) 
as we record our show and develop all the things that there are here to do. So again, we are in South Wales having a great time. We have an interview coming up next with Rob Jones from Visit Wales, going to kind of trying to put things in perspective for us a little bit about South Wales, what to expect when you're here, and sort of a little bit of a lay of the land. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are in Wales, having such a beautiful time you get here from the landscape. Of course, we flew into London before I took a train here, but it is just such a contrast to the city you get here, and it's just so beautiful. We're in Cardiff right now, but we've been out into the suburbs, and it's just been such such a beautiful, beautiful experience being here. When we were at the National Museum here in Cardiff, we noticed that there are a lot of landscapes of Wales. Painters have been coming here for hundreds of years to paint the landscapes because it is so beautiful here. And here to tell us more about this particular area of Wales is Rob Jones with Visit Wales. And by the way, you can check out everything you need to know about coming here at visitwales.com. Rob, tell us a little bit some of the highlights. We're here in the southeastern corner, the southern corner of uh, Wales. Tell us a little bit about some of the highlights in southern Wales. Well, first of all, can I just say, welcome to Wales. Um, you're in a delightful part of Wales, not that all of Wales is delightful, of course. Um, in this area, you're in Cardiff, which is the capital city of Wales. Um, lots to see and do here um, as the capital city. But just outside of the city, you're heading up into the valleys of Wales, um, known for its industrial heritage in terms of coal mining. Um, now, they are most uh, popular with tourist attractions. Um, there are mines you can visit, like Big Pit. Um, for instance, you can go down and experience the life of, of the miner. And also, within this region of South Wales, you've got many of the 641 castles um, that Wales has to offer as well. Also in this area, it was also known for a shipping port. Lots of um, the great little trains of Wales have formed down here as well in terms of bringing the coal down into Cardiff so they could be shipped out to lots of different parts of the world from the actual Cardiff Docks area. You will have been up into the Wye Valley. Um, that's where Wordsworth got some of his inspiration from when he visited Tintin Abbey, for instance. Um, and heading up into the Wye Valley, you've got Monmouthshire, etc. Renowned especially for its great food up that area as well in terms of Abergavenny, where it holds its annual and most popular food festival um, in Wales, which is held in September. Heading a bit further on, you've got into the Brecon Beacons. It's one of the three national parks of Wales, well known for its excellent walks and beautiful scenery, and one of its highest peaks, which is Penavan. Heading up into the Neath Valley, heading down into Swansea, the home of Dylan Thomas, and then on to the Gower Peninsula as well, especially unique for the coastal Wales walks. And then you're coming back down into Cardiff it's itself, which is only an hour away um, to Swansea. So there's a lot to offer here um, in this region um, in terms of the history, the heritage, the culture. So we talked a little bit about some of the places in South Wales. Tell us some of the top attractions, like what is it that draws people here to South Wales? Well, for instance, um, I mentioned the castles. The castles are very unique here in Wales. We have 641 of them. Um, when you start off in Cardiff, for instance, you have the Cardiff Castle, which is right in the middle of the city. Um, a great starting point and a great castle to um, explore the history. 
heading out of the city, if you're heading up into north, you've got a place called Castellkoch, which is the Red Castle, a medieval castle set up into the woods. It's quite a romantic castle as well. Heading up further, I'm going on about the castles, but the one with, it's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which is Caerphilly Castle, uh, which I dare say you've seen on your travels, that is uh, well worth a visit, and it brings thousands and thousands of um, tourists to visit the castle uniqueness for its leaning tower. If you also go up into a place called Llan Caerchfawr, which is a bit of a tongue twister to say in itself, that again is going back into like the 14th century and it dates going back into time and even the staff that work there speak in the mother tongue of that century as well. So it's a unique house and they talk talk to you about the life as it was in those times, etc. Heading back up into the Merthyr Tydfil, you're going on to one of the great little trains of Wales, which is the Brecon Mountain Railway. Again, now it is a visitor attraction, and if you are a steam enthusiast, it's well worth a visit. As mentioned, it was um, used to transport the coal from the actual mines, which would be then down ferry down into Cardiff. Um, now it's a popular tourist attraction, especially for children. I don't know if you, if you get Thomas the Tank over in the States, but children love to visit there. And then just on to the right is um, Blynavon, as I mentioned, is unique for the experience of a tourist to go down into the mine as a actual miner did and you get to see the actual workings and as a, as a miner would have worked all those centuries ago and the very toughness of the working environment they had to working so you get the full visitor experience also in Blynavon and if you're a food buff and you like your cheese um, it's well worth going to visit the Blynavon Cheese Company. Um, they make Welsh cheeses, all different brands, etc. And one of their famous cheeses is the Blynavon cheese, which is placed in Blynavon pit. And um, it's down there in the coldness and the damp to ferment. And that's where it gets its name from. So if you're a bit of a cheese buff, that's the place to go to example your cheese. So in terms of this beautiful area... There's lots to see and do, and also if you if you like a little tipple as well, there's um, Penderyn whiskey, which is a unique brand of Welsh malt whiskey, and it's a visitor experience. You can go on an hour's tour to go on to experience different brands of whiskey. As I say, at the end of the tour, you get to sample a few brands that they have. So in terms of the Brecon Mountain gin and also the whiskey as well, so well worth a visit if you like your gin and cheese, etc. This is the area to come to. Caerphilly Castle was so beautiful. As a matter of fact, we just didn't want to go. We were going to like move back in time, stay hut there at the castle in Hanway. And then we went. We did go to the big pit yesterday. And as a matter of fact, Jeff was so tall. I was glad he had a hat on while he was there. And speaking of the, if you like a tipple, we've had some great beers here as well that are produced locally. Brains beer. Yes, that's right. It's called Brains beer. Because uh, <laughs> you got to be smart to drink it. Rumney. I hope I'm saying that right. Okay. And Rumney. So keep an eye out for those. Yeah, that was quite great. I wanted to talk to you a little bit, Rob, about maybe just sort of the culture that people will feel when they come here to South Wales. Well, when people come into Wales, we're a very, very friendly land, I must say. You might find us a bit intrusive, but we'll, we'll ask you where you're from, what you're doing, and what you want to see and do here. We're not being nosy, we just, it's our welcome. We want here to help. So if you're a tourist and you start speaking to the locals, we're here to help, and we've got a keen interest in you as an individual, and we want to highlight our wonderful land, because there's a lot to see and do in Wales, and there's something to do for every single taste as well. Whether you just want to come and relax in a five-star hotel or you want to come and walking our famous hills and see our glorious 
scenery. There's lots to see and do. In terms of culture, the food's great. You can go and see a choir practice. And if you happen to be here during the summer months, you can come and see, which is quite unique to Wales, is our Estes Vodai, which is a, a singing, reciting, dancing competition. And poets and bards come on and take part where you can write a novel and then you can be crowned or chaired the bard in Wales as well. And it goes back into the 11th century and it's a tradition that's still going on today and it's quite unique to Wales. So if you want to come and experience that, it's very, very unique and I would suggest anyone to come and do that because hearing some Welsh singing, a Welsh choir or hearing some folk singing is amazing. It does make the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. So please come and see that. Instead of, in terms of other culture here in Wales, there's lots of little towns and villages um, that you can come and visit. And if you just go into the little pubs, etc., that offer accommodation as well, you can get to meet the locals and they will tell you a bit about their area and you'll hear some fun little stories as well. And they'll most probably send you off the beaten track to see some unique place that you wouldn't see in any guidebook as well. So in terms of coming here to Wales, there's a big, big welcome. Thanks so much, Rob, for sharing that with us. We're having such a wonderful time here. We're about halfway through with our trip. We still have so much more to do and go and share with you this week. So we'll have some more interviews and talking when we come back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. You know, Rob was really helpful when we were trying to plan our trip. He helped us a lot uh, getting things figured out and really kind of deciding based on our interests what part of Wales we might want to go to, which is why we ended up in South Wales. We're actually kind of, now that we've been in South Wales, kind of like figuring out what have we missed with the rest of Wales because there's a whole country to explore. So if you want to check those things out, you can go to visit Wales. You know, one of the things we did, I keep joking about this, is when we showed up in Cardiff, we didn't even know there was a gigantic castle right across the street from our hotel at the Hilton. We had such a great time and there's tons of things to do here in Cardiff, not just the Cardiff city proper, but also down by the bay. There's a big shopping arcade as they call them here. And there's also a very fun and new thing down there. There is a BBC headquarters there and there is a place that you can experience something called the Doctor Who experience. And we had so much fun that we wanted to focus some of the show directly on that. So we did a show about the Doctor Who experience for many, many geeks that might be out there that want to experience that. You can check that out at our website at TravelBrigade.com. And besides the Doctor Who experience, there are plenty of other things to do in Cardiff. Coming up, we're going to be talking with Bill O'Keefe from Planet Wales. He's going to be giving us more details on things to do in Cardiff. There is nothing that Bill does not know. He is so incredibly smart, knows everything. Every time we would walk or go anywhere with Bill, it's like he had a answer for everything. And not to mention, I just want to say this, took us to the best Sunday roast dinner we had had ever. We'll have more with him next. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade.
Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We are here in Cardiff, City Cardiff, as a matter of fact, staying at the Cardiff Hilton. It's a great location right downtown. We've been able to walk to everything that we've done here in Cardiff. I loved how the first night we came down here to go to dinner and we go to the Razzie restaurant and we look right out and they're right across the street from us, Cardiff Castle. I know, eating with the view. Talk about a view, a castle view while we're having dinner. I have to admit, should we tell them the stupid question we asked? Because... We actually came around the other way, and the taxi dropped us off. And so we went out to the restaurant, and we were like, that looks like a castle. And the guy was like, yes, that's Cardiff Castle. Like, <laughs> I have to admit, like, we felt a little stupid. We felt touristy, but we are tourists here. But everyone has been very friendly. Here to tell us a little bit more about Cardiff and places to visit here is Bill O'Keefe. He is the owner of Planet Wales. That's a website you can check out if you're interested in doing any tours here in Wales, all sorts of different types of tours. Bill, tell us a little bit about this Cardiff Castle just sitting across the street from us. Cardiff Castle is in many ways the origin of Cardiff. Cardiff literally means, if you translate from the Welsh, the fortress on the River Taff, and it's that fortress that the name refers to. It goes back 2,000 years on that site. The Romans began it uh, when they invaded Britain and occupied the site. It was rebuilt by the Norman invaders, uh, and then in the 19th century, it was rebuilt by the richest man on earth at the time, the third Marquis of Butte, who made his fortune from the coal industry, and it's coal that is the key to Cardiff being a city, because we're a very ancient settlement here, but as a city, we're a bit of a youngster. Uh, We've only actually been officially a city for just over 100 years, and only the capital city of Wales for about 60 years, since 1955, so it is relatively uh, a young city. Which is so hard to believe because of the arrendments around here. It just really kind of brings you back in time, the history here. We had a great tour over there with Bill, but also with some of the patrons that work there at the castle, and it was fascinating to learn so much. And then it was just a short walk from there to the National Museum, which was a really fascinating place and also happens to have the largest collection of Impressionists outside of Paris. Which I was really excited because I literally was in France the day before I got here and I had gone to the Orsay two days before and then I walked right in here and saw some beautiful pieces that I had never seen before. It was quite, it was lovely. And they, they have quite a bit of art from different decades here. It looked like there was some from different parts of the local culture as well as just different things from around. Now, we know they've got a bunch of Impressionist paintings in France because those guys were working there. How did a bunch of them end up here in Wales, Bill? Well, that's so much um, with Cardiff. It goes back to coal again. One of the richest coal entrepreneurs of Wales in the 19th century, a man called David Davis, struck gold really, literally black gold in our case with coal, made a fortune, leaving it to his granddaughters who never married, Gwendolyn and Margaret Davis, and they spent their fortune, their inheritance on art. They travelled around Europe buying up paintings that they loved, and when they died, they gave them really to the, to the nation, to the people of Wales, and the Davis bequest is one of the most important art collections that the museum holds. One other thing that's uh, notable about the museum is it's open and free for everyone, which I thought that was great. I mean, there's a lot of museums around the world where you're having to buy your tickets in advance and paying a huge fee to get in, so there's really no barrier at all for you to go. Bill, as you were mentioning, this is a relatively new city, and it's still a developing city, and we were really impressed when we went down by the bay how that's an area that once shipped thousands of tons of coal a day, but since the coal mining kind of dried up, now they've turned it into a fun place where people can go and, and see different attractions. It does seem strange to say in, in a city with buildings that 2,000-year history that it is a young city, but it is in that sense. Coal really transformed Cardiff from a relatively small town 
into a major export centre. And if you go down into the, the Bay Area of the city, which has been heavily redeveloped uh, in the last 20, 30 years, away from industry for modern uses like tourism, leisure, entertainment, and so on, it, it's transformed cities. Almost a new city has appeared on the waterfront. It's the largest waterfront regeneration project in Europe and has given Cardiff a completely new energy. All again coming from its docks, the reason that the city was originally developed in the first place to ship coal, it's the docks again and their redevelopment that have given Cardiff this enormous boost. Uh, that we've seen in the last few years. Great place, exciting place to explore. One of the things we explored when we were there is the new Doctor Who exhibit, which was quite fun. We had so many geeks that wanted to know more about the Doctor Who exhibit. We actually did a show on that. We've got some great interviews. So you'll have to look for the show on the Doctor Who exhibit. Jeff, also big sports fan, we always go to a city. We have to either go to a sporting event or tour a stadium. And to add to his list, places he went. I checked out the Millennium Stadium, so named because it was built and opened in 1999 when Wales hosted the Rugby World Cup. And it's pretty stunning because they dropped this 75,000 seat stadium right in the middle of downtown. And if you want to go to shops and restaurants and things, they're just sort of right across the street. Uh, You're just a block away from the major shopping district. You're overlooking the river on the other side. For those of you who are baseball fans, it's kind of like Fenway Park park it's kind of in Boston it's wedged into this little area in the downtown area and it's it's stunning once you get in there the tour takes you around and the locker rooms down on the field up in the president's box different things like that and it kind of gives you a sense of just sort of the spirit of this country it's a country of three million people yet they compete on the world stage with some of the biggest countries in the world in the sport of rugby. That's kind of the big sport here. And Bill, maybe talk a little bit about that, how, I mean, you've got to have a country that really, a country of three million people to compete on the world stage with France and England and South Africa. You guys really have to love your rugby. Rugby is, is sort of interwoven into the fabric of Wales. It's something that uh, Welsh people identify with very strongly and it's something that people outside of Wales identify with Wales very strongly. It's been the national sport for over 100 years uh, and it's at the time in the late 19th century, Wales became very successful at a time that the country was really waking up to its own identity again. Um, And so the success of rugby fed into that. And it also suited the hard physical nature of the work that many men in Wales were doing, coal mining, um, loading, you know, sailing, uh, sailing ships, um, dockers, steel workers, hard physical work suited the hard physical game of rugby. And for a small country like Wales to punch its weight on a world stage and beat much bigger countries, particularly the big neighbour England, which is always the most important thing in any sport in Wales, it was great for, for us to do that. And we've been very successful at it for the last oh, century and a quarter, really. And the Millennium Stadium, right in the heart of the city, tells you how important rugby is. It's a, it's a modern cathedral, really, for Cardiff. Yeah, uh, Bill, tell us about any other attractions. One thing we got Jeff to do today was to go down in a coal mine pit. Any other things why people are here in the Cardiff area? Well, there's an awful lot to do in Cardiff, but there's even more to do in the immediate area around it. We've got a wonderful coastline along here, fine beaches and so on. But if you head inland, you find an area that's referred to as the Valleys of South Wales. And the Valleys contain the great industrial heritage of the area, the great coal mining area at one time. And at Big Pit, the National Mining Museum, you can actually go underground with the miners and explore the interior workings of a real coal mine. It was working up until the 1980s. Uh, it's an absolutely fabulous experience, as well as the wonderful museum on the surface. Uh, you've also got some wonderful castles in the area to explore, notably Caerphilly Castle, just over the mountain from Cardiff, about eight miles away, one of the largest castles uh, in the whole of the British Isles. Dominant fortress and a fantastic experience to really learn about medieval warfare and the, uh, the fascinating politics of medieval Wales with the invasions of the Normans and the Welsh princes fighting them and the history of Wales you can really learn about in these wonderful places. It's a sort of living history museum, really.
Yeah, we're actually going to be moving on to other parts of Wales, but this has just been a really fun trip. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, is just, you know, we've been scattering around eating here in downtown Wales, and it's just amazing the international influence. I mean, you have traditional Welsh food, but you also have Indian food, Italian food. I mean, there's really just an international mix of all the things you can get here while you're in Wales. All of these places we've been talking about, you can find contact information for them and their websites. If you go to our webpage, travelbrigade.com, and click on our hot sheet for today's episode. That's right. You can also get information at Visit Wales, who's been very helpful helping us get this trip put together. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin. We are here in South Wales having such an amazing time. As you can imagine from what we were talking about with Bill, our time in Cardiff was well spent. And there we began working our way westward. We first stopped in Swansea at the Dylan Thomas Center. Had a great time there. Very informative. Very interesting. Swansea is sort of synonymous with Dylan Thomas because it's his birthplace. So there's many, many things around there that are connected to Dylan Thomas. And again, we're going to mention that we did an episode about Dylan Thomas and sort of doing the trail of Dylan Thomas while you're here in Wales. But, you know, we did go around Swansea as well. There's a beautiful little waterfront area. And as well as we went down to the Mumbles. Yes, which is a very, very picturesque place. A posh place, as they would call it here. Yes. Very cute. A very cute place. We went down there, took a drive. There's some beautiful homes and also just some great views down there in the Mumbles. There's some shopping. Um, really fun little place if you're just, just maybe south of Swansea, about 10 minutes. From there, we worked our way out onto the Gower Peninsula, where we stayed at a really fun place called the King Arthur Hotel, out in the countryside, complete with, you know, sheep out in front when you get there. cows, horses. And just getting to the King Arthur Hotel was a little bit of an adventure, driving on these fun little backcountry roads that are actually just absolutely beautiful. We're sitting there driving through these beautiful passes that are just beautiful and green. They are a little bit narrow, so you do kind of just need to calmly drive through them. We had an experience, but we were so ecstatic when we pulled up and just saw this charming, charming little place, the King Arthur Hotel. Had a great time, had dinner there. We actually, again, did a whole episode kind of on a Wales 101 where we talk a lot about accommodation, so you can look at that episode as well to learn more about accommodations and dining. The next morning, we went to Rossilli, and that's a place along the cliffs overlooking the ocean, and you can do a hike down to an island called Worm's Head if the tide is out. That was such a beautiful place when we showed up, and that was kind of our very first sort of over-the-cliff sea experience there. We were looking at the water, and it was just so gorgeous. We took a beautiful walk, and then we even just sat and, you know, kind of did people watching for a while, and there's a little, there's a couple little shops in town, and it was really, there was a lot of people out there just kind of enjoying the view, doing hikes and walks around there, and it's just really, really picturesque. From there, we worked our way over to Larne, which like is... Like yarn. It took me a little while to learn that it, one. It doesn't look like it should say Larn, but that's how they say it. Yeah. Well, to us anyway, it doesn't look like that, but <laughs> very associated with Dylan Thomas. We stayed at the Browns Hotel there, which was one of his hangouts. We went on the Dylan grab Thomas... Grab a pint, just like Dylan. We went to the Dylan Thomas Boathouse. We went on the Dylan Thomas Birthday Walk. Very charming little town right on a bay. That was really beautiful, and right down from the hotel is a beautiful, yet another one of these 650, over 650 castles that are here in Wales. 
so beautiful. We went to the ruins when we turned around. Our little mini-me was at the top of the tower, just like Rapunzel, waiting to come down. There are beautiful gardens there and a beautiful, beautiful, not only the Dylan Thomas walk, which the birthday walk, which we discussed in the Dylan Thomas episode, but just a beautiful, picturesque sort of uh view and walk down by the water. And then heading out of Lauren, there was a couple of different choices for botanical gardens. We stopped at one of them. Quite great. We will leave that information as well as some of the other stops on along our way on this week's hot sheet for today's show. You can find that on travelbrigade.com. Coming up, we're going to be talking with Bill again about some outdoor recreation that you can do here in Wales. That's right. There is a lot to do. There's city things as well as some outdoor rec things. We'll be talking about that right when we come back. We'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin. We are here in Wales, and there's so many. We've been in the city, we've been in, out in the hills of the country, and we've talked about a lot of different things you can do in cities and different things you can do by the bay. But there's also a huge outdoor recreation area things to do while you're here in Wales. There's so many great landscapes here in Wales that you want to go become part of them and experience them. There's, like you said, there's the valleys up in the up in the hills, there's the beautiful coastline. Here to tell us more about it is Bill O'Keefe. He's the president of Planet Wales, and he does outdoor recreation tours, among other things. Bill, tell us about some of the popular types of tours that people can do here. Well, we're very lucky in Wales. The, the natural environment that we have lends itself to outdoor sports, wonderful mountains, rivers, lakes, and a fantastic coastline, as you say. Uh, inland from Cardiff, we've got the Brecon Beacons National Park, very popular area for hiking, pony trekking, horse riding, as well as mountain biking. Wales is a world-renowned centre for, for mountain biking, and other sports like hang gliding and so on take place, and it's a, it's a very popular outdoor activity. On the rivers, you will find areas for canoeing, rock climbing, and so on in the mountains and the cliffs, very, very popular sports. Uh, on the coast, everything from sailing to uh, an unusual sport, which was developed here in Wales, which is called coasteering, which you will find a lot of, in, certainly in the Pembrokeshire area on the west coast, which is basically travelling around the coast, but not on the top of the cliffs, at the bottom of the cliffs. Uh, you feel very small down there uh, and you basically it's a mixture of, uh, of scrambling climbing swimming diving and surviving and it's a wonderful sport a way to travel around and really experience the power of the ocean majesty of the cliffs around you and the cliff scenery very very popular sport now people come from all over europe to coastier uh, on the welsh coast now if i show up here and i discover i want to go mountain biking or i i want to go try some different sailings or things like that and i of course didn't pack my mountain bike in my luggage. What are some ways that I can get out there? Uh, do I work through local guides? Tell us kind of how that works. Well, there are a number of centers that specialize in mountain biking in the forests and the hills not far from here. You can hire bikes at many of them. Uh, Visit Wales will have an extensive list of the companies that, that hire bikes. But as you say, it's not easy to travel with the, all that stuff. We're aware of that. And, and so many of the, the forest parks and the mountain biking centers have very good quality equipment that you can hire for the day or for longer if you want to. You can even hire a bike and cycle it right across Wales. There are long-distance cycle paths going east to west and north to south across the country, like the Celtic Trail, for example. So if you want to do a long cycle journey, camping or so on, you can do that too. But if you just wanted to hire and go mountain biking for the afternoon or for the day, that's easily arranged. There's plenty of places to hire. 
uh, close by. And what about activities for those who are not naturally outdoorsy like myself? I mean, is there some sort of activities that you'd recommend for people that may not be in that expert level? Well, if you just wanted to go for a, a simple hike or a walk or something, you know, of, of any level, it doesn't have to be over the mountains. We've got wonderful forest areas, beautiful valleys. You don't have to extend yourself too far. You can do it any pace you want. Guided walks can be for anyone. There are also city walks at the center of Cardiff. You can take boat trips up and down the river, around the bay. You can do speed boats into the Bristol Channel on the Atlantic off the coast here. Visit Cardiff's own island, Flatome, uh, by boat. There's an awful lot to do if you don't want to get too uh, involved and too sweaty when you're here. Yeah, you don't have to kill yourself. Well, thank you, Bill. Yeah, this is a great place. Yeah, when you get here, you're going to want to get out because it's one of those places where the ocean is great, but then you come up off the ocean and you've got all this beautiful green countryside that you're going to want to go explore as well. So you've got a lot to choose from. Thank you for speaking with us, Bill. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are here in South Wales having such a wonderful time. As you can hear from the interviews, there's so much to see and do here and sort of embrace yourself in this wonderful culture of South Wales. We actually moved on to a just a picturesque spot called St. David's. Right on the coast again in Pembrokeshire. St. David's is known for its cathedral, named after St. David, who is the patron saint of Wales, a monk who lived back in the 6th century. The cathedral is absolutely beautiful, and there's actually a seat that's designated for the queen. It's also right next door to the bishop's palace, which is the cathedral is still in full use and uh, regular you know, religious observations there and everything like that. The bishop's palace next door is more of a ruin, but still incredibly beautiful and interesting to go visit. How do you know that St. David's is a city? Because they have a cathedral. That's right. That's what we learned when we were here in Wales is that if you have a cathedral, you actually are a city, not a town or a village, but a city. St. David's is actually really such a cute place. When you actually pull into town, there's a little information center where we stopped and got some information about some activities to do here. There's really a cute little town square. There's lots of shopping. There's just picturesque sort of old and new meshed together. But of course, then you've got this amazing standing cathedral in the middle of town, which is just picturesque and it really just kind of encompasses the center of town. But of course, you also have these beautiful cliffs, beautiful ocean views. We're actually staying here at the Warpool Court Hotel, which we talked about in our accommodations episode. Absolutely beautiful views. We're sitting here right now recording, looking out at those views. But we were able to do something at Thousand Island Adventure and go to the Ramsey Islands. Yeah, when I first heard about Thousand Island Adventures, I was thinking of lovely salad dressing. Yes, but... yes. That's Americano <laughs> would think that. But we did get to go on a boat trip today, and we went around Ramsey Island. And as you're going around, you're seeing all this stunning wildlife and uh, really seeing nature at its finest. We saw lots of seal pups all around the island. That was quite fun. Really kind of interesting, different types of birds and a very uninhabited. And then we saw these amazing sheep that hadn't been sheared like the rest of the sheep we've been seeing. But just, just up on the cliffs, like living there in this little private island that they have, you can actually do a couple of different things when you're there with Thousand Island Adventure. You can either do around the cruise or a longer cruise. They actually have some whale and dolphin sighting cruises as well, as well as you can actually go to Ramsey Island and get off and sort of adventure for the day. 
there's also other things to do here. There's actually, you can surf. You can go to a place called White Sand Beach, which is a place where people go to the beach here. There's cliff walks. We're actually on the footpath of a beautiful cliff walk right here by our hotel. And there's really some great shops. There's some artist shops and some little craft shops, local food, all sorts of things to do here while you're in St. David's. We've talked about all this Welsh history. Part of that could be your family history. There were a lot of immigrants who went from Wales to other places in the world. You can actually trace back here and find out where they came from, where they lived, who they were. That's true. We've actually done some shows on genealogy. As for, of course, I'm one of the Celtic cousins from across the sea in Ireland, but there's actually uh, people who come here that are interested in going to Wales to sort of trace their family history, learn where they came from, learn where their families came from. And we were able to talk to Joanna Masters, who is an expert here on Welsh genealogy, and she actually understands the records, understands dates and times. Um, one thing that when we spoke about with her was just really understanding that some of the records, you know, based on the English and Welsh language, just really having an expert to understand these and help you kind of get through these is a great, great contact. We're going to have some information from her about her and what some of the things that she does to help you with your family search, if that's something that you're interested in, and tracing your Welsh family history. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Check us out at TravelBrigade.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. We are here in Wales all this week, seeing beautiful views, beautiful castles, listening to the history about Wales. And one of the things you cannot do is not listen to the history of the people of Wales. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about, because we've done some interesting genealogy searches ourselves, and of course, I am a Celt by nature. These uh, Welshmen are my cousins. I wanted to get a genealogy expert to talk a little bit about Welsh ancestry and where people can find out more information. I have Joanna Masters here, who is a genealogy expert here in Wales. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm pleased to be with you. Thank you so much. As a matter of fact, uh, Joanna is a friend, a colleague of Helen Kelly, who we've used quite a bit in our some of our Ireland stories. It's a very connected community, I've noticed. I mean, all the genealogists, whether they're in the States, you know, we happen to be in a town with a huge genealogy library. They happen to know you name a country, they name a genealogist. That's <laughs> <laughs> really right. Tell us a little bit about your background and how this came such a passion for you and how you became an expert in this area. I think it's the same for me as many of my colleagues. It started with tracing my own family history. Um, by background, I'm a journalist and then a marketeer. Oh, very um, nice. And then when I had a young family of my own, I was looking for a business that I could run myself and fit around the kids, like many of us try that elusive work-life balance. Exactly. And um, I studied family history at Cardiff University, primarily to allow myself to trace my own family tree. And then I spotted a gap in the market. So there were people in Scotland and Ireland and elsewhere um, offering specialist services, but nobody in Wales. And given we have a separate language and different way of doing almost everything, um, exactly. it seems an obvious thing to do. And I've been doing it for seven years now and absolutely love it. So people, for an example, if someone you have 
have a traveler or someone that's coming to do some research, they want to come to Wales and look at their family history, how might they start? Where would be a starting point be for them? What I always advise people to do if they're coming over is to do their research before they come. I always say it's all about planning so they can get most out of their holiday. Um, when they come, their time's precious. And I think the people I've spoken to want to spend the time experiencing the life their ancestors led. They want to walk in their footsteps. They want to go and visit the farms and stand in the churches and take the walks and really experience it. You need to do most of the research before you come to do that because otherwise you arrive and the church is locked or the document that you need is going to take five days to get through. So I always say to people, do as much research as you can before you come and then enjoy your time and really experience it. Like I would said before, we have done a couple of pieces in Ireland and Quebec. I work with some genealogists there and I think that your advice goes spot on with what they They've said is that, you know, sort of that being in the landscape of your ancestors doesn't just happen overnight. And doing that prepping, whether that's, you know, contracting with someone before you come or having a good idea of, you know, the records you're looking for or the area. Tell us a little bit about the immigrants that came from Wales. Um, There were three ways of immigrants, really. Um, The initial ones were escaping religious persecution in Britain. So a lot of the early Quakers um, came to the U.S. Pennsylvania in particular was, you know, Penn had huge numbers of um, Welsh followers. Mm-hmm. and it was originally a Welsh colony. Then we had the agricultural uh, migrants who came into primarily into the Midwest, lots in Ohio. Because of the land shortage in Britain, they came to find farming country. And then lastly, at the turn of the last century, you had the industrial migrants, the miners and the people in heavy industry who came out and particularly targeted Pennsylvania. Yeah, as a matter of fact, somebody was telling us just because we happened to be based in Utah and we were talking with one of the genealogists there about a lot of the miners that came out that way. Yeah, and indeed, there were lots of um, Welsh people who came into Utah. Yeah, it was quite interesting. And of course, our audience is a, is a more national or international audience, but it is kind of note that there are pots of people around. So tell us a little bit about, I'm curious about the records themselves. What type of records are people looking for? Because I know one of the things, and again, I am just a very novice person when it comes to this, is the difference in the records for each country. Each country has different records that are more valuable, and, and I don't mean valuable in the sense of commodities, but valuable in the sense of like the richest part of where you can find information. Tell us a little bit about that with Wales. Well, Wales post-1837 um, is very similar to England. So after 1837, there was a standardization of records, and you then have the general registers of births, marriages, and death. From 1837 onwards, fairly straightforward. Before that, you're reliant on church records. Right. Legally, you could only get married in a church, regardless of what religion you were. You had to get married in a church. So that those records are probably the most valuable that we have. And fortunately, not all of them have survived, but we do, most churches have the records going back around about 1600 obviously take your family tree back quite a long way now they're not kept in the churches they're kept in a variety of places some are kept in county archive offices so you'd need to know which county that the town or village that your ancestors were from was in and then those county archives will keep a lot of the um, first marriage and death records the other place to go to is the national library of wales in aberystwyth which is a wonderful resource it has an absolute wealth of information ancestral information from all over the country um, and all the parish records all the copies of the surviving parish records are lodged there as well so as a one-stop shop i always recommend people go there one of the things too i wanted to 
note is the religion in Wales isn't straightforward. Um, no, it's, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> in Wales is ever straightforward. In, in Britain, we have the established church, which was established by Henry VIII, Church of England, as we as it's commonly known, all the right. in Wales. Um, but most people in Wales were nonconformists. They didn't conform to the normal, and they went to chapels rather than churches. So the chapels would have been Presbyterians, Methodists, um, there would have been Quakers, and other minority religions as well. Um, and their records are kept completely separately. Lots of them didn't keep records. They weren't legally bound to keep them. But those that do exist, again, if they're not physically in Aberystwyth, it's your best place to start looking. And they'll be able to point you in the direction of where they might be found. And they're found in different places. Some are found in Kew at the National Records Office. Some are found the Quaker records are all in Cardiff. The Methodist records are somewhere else. So you need to know which religion you're looking for um, and then take the records from there. Yeah, no, no. And I find that really interesting because, I mean, certainly there are some countries that there is a dominant religion, so it's much easier to find some of those church records. Every country, every country has a history. Sorry, over three quarters of the people in Wales were non-conformists. They were not members of the established church. Right, right. So it is cause and interest. So one of the things also I wanted to talk about is, is you talked about planning ahead before you come. I think one of the things that I wanted to mention too is having some particular goals in mind. I mean, there are some people who have this goal of like wanting to go back as far as they can. There are other people that want to, like you said, sort of live in the landscape of their ancestors. And there's also maybe people who just want to like find a graveyard with a relative. I mean, there are different sort of goals in mind and so maybe thinking about that goal prior to coming to your visit is probably a a good recommendation. I think you need to know what you want to get out of it but all our clients I think share one thing which is they want the stories. They are less interested in collecting lots and dates. They want to feel that they knew their ancestors. They want the stories behind the people and know much about their lives and how they lived and where they lived. Um, We're the motto that there's never a dry eye in a house. I've yet to do a tour and not had people in tears. Um, But we take them to farmhouses where their ancestors will have farmed and we'll make the arrangements in advance for the farmer shows them around. We'll take them to churches where people were buried, where they were married. Take them down a coal mine if their family were miners. We'll do agricultural shows if they were farmers. But we try and give them the experience. It's all about experience at the end of the day, I think. And I agree. Like I said, I mean, even though I don't have Welsh heritage, I have done a similar story in Ireland where my family is from. And it is, it's very touching. As a matter of fact, this trip, we have brought my daughter with us to actually retrace those steps when we go to Ireland. So, I mean, I would encourage anyone that has any any sort of, you know, Welsh heritage, um, you're thinking about coming to Wales. It's just, it's one of those things that'll connect you to the culture for the rest of your life. Yeah, and Wales is very like Ireland in some ways. Um, family history is in our DNA. The Welsh are passionate about family history anyway. So wherever you go, people will be wanting to hear about you and talk about your family. And I think that's one of the lovely things. You don't just come on vacation as a tourist. You come as part of an extended family. Yes. People will say, oh, where are your family from? And what did they do? And why did they go? And you'll find everybody wants to engage and talk, which makes for a lovely experience. And one thing that we found was quite funny is our family had been in certain areas for a couple of hundred years or even a hundred years. And that's still considered in Ireland. Ireland a blow-in, someone who's just barely got there, <laughs> because there were people who had yeah. been there, and this gentleman we ran into was farming on the same property for 800 years, and it's like, those are stories you just can't, you can't believe until you hear them, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's as if it was yesterday, and you'll find people talking about your great-great-great-grandparents as though they knew them. Tell us, Jenna, where people can reach you and information about your website, where people can contact you. Okay, our website is called Family History Wales. 
com, and there's lots of information there, both on research, how to research in Wales um, and also on tours and what's available and you know how to plan your tour and what you can get out of it. The other place to go to is the National Library of Wales has a great online presence and a lot of their material is available digitally, including Welsh newspapers. So that's always a good place to go and look for information. Perfect. Thank you, Joanna, for spending time with us today. Again, we'll have her information on our hot sheet for today's show. And you've got all her information she just left. We will be right back. They don't always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We are doing this whole show on Wales, particularly the South Wales. I am here with Jeff Griffin. We are actually sitting here at the Warpool Court Hotel, looking at the beautiful views. We are here just ending our trip here in St. David. Sadly, it's almost time for us to go. And we've had such an amazing time this week. We've had great help from Visit Wales, helping us to plan our trip and have such a great, wonderful time. But before we go, we have to do He Said, She Said. And as always, She Said goes well, I've talked a little bit about in some of the other episodes my other favorites, so I'm going to very much stick to some of the activities that we did here. I'm going to have to say the castles. I mean, I don't even know how to pick which one because they were all great. Cardiff Castle, Caffili Castle, 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 Castles. I mean, I was thinking as I was walking through and seeing the castles, how people that live in the neighborhoods that have these views of castles and how, I don't know if they just appreciate them the way that, you know, we do coming over here to visit and just, I hope it's not like a weed in the lawn, you know, because there's so many of them, but it's just, it's actually just this, it, they're so beautiful, whether they're redone, whether they're hotels, whether they're remnants of time gone by, they each have such an amazing history and learning about the history and the culture and, and everything that kind of tied into that is definitely on my list of things that I loved about South Wales. My number three is the Big Pit Mine. And I know you're thinking, wait a minute, going down a mine is one of your travel highlights, but it was so unique. I've, I don't know that I would do it anywhere else. And it taught me so much about the history and the people here. It gave me such an insight into what it must have been like to uh, live here and, and work here and just a completely different experience than I've ever had anywhere else. My number two is walking out near the Worm's Head. It was such a beautiful view. My sort of first cliff ocean experience here. It was absolutely stunning. It really gave me a different perspective of, you know, the city of Cardiff where I was at to this. It was absolutely beautiful. It was outdoor. It was absolutely gorgeous. I would definitely recommend doing that when you come here. My number two is Millennium Stadium in downtown Cardiff. It's amazing how they built the 75,000 seat stadium, put it right next to the river on one side, right next to the shopping center on the other. You just kind of wedged it into this historic downtown. I'm always intrigued when I go places to find out about their sports and what what they're really passionate about. And visiting there gave me a really good sense of uh, how much people love their rugby here. My number one is St. David's Cathedral. It's absolutely stunning. When you drive into St. David's, you actually can see the cathedral and it really, you really have no idea how huge the cathedral is, especially for a town that's not, excuse me, a city because it has a cathedral. It's a city, but I mean, for a, not a very large city to have this huge cathedral was really amazing and to sort of sit in there. And what I found was really interesting is actually you can look on the site at St. David's. There's 
still using it as a regular place to worship. They have choir services in English as well as in Wales. And it's just quite interesting if you want to sort of immerse yourself in the culture a little bit more to go there during a choir service or kind of be there during any kind of a service. It just really uh, has this place, again, bringing time and history and all of these amazing things together. I would have to say my number one is St. David's Cathedral. My number one is the views. And I can't pick just one view because there have been so many great ones here. And I love how I can go down by the ocean and see these beautiful views from either right down, you know, on the water or from the cliffs. And if I turn the other way, I could see these beautiful views of green valleys. Uh, No matter where you look, it's just amazing. So that would be my number one. Again, we have had such an amazing time here in South Wales. We've been able to cover so much. As a matter of fact, we couldn't fit it all into one show, so we've done several shows. So please make sure you reference TravelBrigade.com. Again, we did this one fairly focused on some of the different sites, cities, and activities. We also have a sort of Visit Wales 101 where we talk about language. We talk about accommodations and dining, as well as we have an episode talking about sort of the Dylan Thomas Trail, as well as a special episode for some geeks about the Doctor Who experience. Make sure that you check our website out, TravelBrigade.com, or you can actually follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We'll be back next week with another great destination. In the meantime, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, make sure you join us next week. Again, with any of your Wales planning needs, check out Visit Wales. They were so helpful. They've got all this information on booking trips, tours, accommodations, everything you need when you come to Visit Wales. We'll see you next week and enjoy the trip. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.